gliding shapes that violate every law of nature. It's the Horror Foria Podcast. Hi, can I help you? John Richards and Andy Gilly are talking everything and anything horror movies. Welcome to the Horror Foria Podcast. It is Friday, March 27th of 2020. Episode number 55, we're broadcasting from our exploding studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. And Andy Gilly. Oh, uh, boy. In our Facebook Live studios. Our Facebook we Live studios. Hey, guys. We got viewers. one watcher right now. We got one. Sweet. Welcome, viewer. So, yeah, we're doing something a little different today because of uh, what's going on with the coronavirus uh, pandemic. We are uh, deciding to go Facebook Live, so we bring our studio into your rooms because we're not self-quarantined yet just because we're called we're considered essential we are essential yes that's right (laughs) good lord hey you know and we didn't get a chance to talk about it too much last week but you are an author now well i have been an author for a while i see i didn't know that yeah yeah well you know uh you know i did the uh marketing writing i also do some writing on my own and you got a brand new book out there. What is it called? Uh, the Siberian Incident Two. It's a sequel to my Yeti, uh, my my original Yeti themed horror novel, Siberian Incident. Well, how would you describe it? Uh, well, in the original Siberian Incident, these two guys go for a hunt in Russia and uh, stumble onto some Yetis, and this uh, furthers the story and kind of explains what happened in the first one a little bit. Sounds so awesome, dude. This one is more of a a little bit of a, it's got more of a spy kind of action novel where the original was uh, more of a horror. Uh, Straight up horror. This is a yeah, little this more. Is, oh. This is a little more action in it. And so. where can people find that, Andy? On Amazon.com. Amazon.com. So yeah. looking for reading. And again, what's it called? Uh, the Siberian Incident. Siberian. The Siberian Incident too. There you go. Yeah. All righty. Uh, let's see. Thanks horror movie. By the way. Huh? Didn't need to do that. Thank you. Buddy. No, we're going to talk about it afterwards too, <laughs> right. because I, I'm working with an author here. <laughs> All right. Horror, horror movie, movie news. news. All right. Stuart Gordon, director reanimator passed away this week at 72. He did. He also directed Castle Freak, which I think we reviewed, right? We didn't. We're, we still need to do that. Okay. According to IMDB, he was a student of acting at the university of Wisconsin, Madison. Was he really? Yeah. Until he uh, directed a psychedelic adaption of Peter Pan and was arrested on obscenity charges. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so uh, he's also known for doing several adaptions of other H.P. Lovecraft stories, um, like Dagon from Beyond. Reanimator was uh, was a kind of an H.P. Lovecraft adaption, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I'm just really familiar just with uh, Animator, Bride of Reanimator. Isn't there a Reanimator Beyond? And they were supposed so. to do, like, a fourth one, I think. Yeah. Like, back in the day, like, like I think... I think right around the time they did um, Castle Freak, there was supposed to be another one, but oh, it, right? it was like uh, in developmental hell or something. Okay, I see. I've seen uh, the original Reanimator. I think that's the only one I've seen. Yeah, you gotta see Bride. It's it's on Shutter. It's good. Oh, check it out. I think I want to watch uh, Castle Freak again too. <laughs> I watched The Invisible Man last weekend. Wow, it is awesome. We're gonna review that next it. week. Uh, yeah, I encourage everyone to check it out on video on demand. Uh, you can catch it right on Amazon. Uh, it's nineteen ninety nine. It's about the same as a uh, the matinee price for two theater tickets here in our town. Uh, and then you can save money on your own beer and milk. That's a quarter of the price that you pay at the theater. See, and we've talked we talked about that about this a few weeks ago when this whole quarantine thing 
went into effect that that you know it's it's nice being able to pause something right and if you do if you did have one too many beers you can go you can go to the restroom and not miss anything and exactly. pause it it's pretty great so the guys i don't know if you listen to the something ghoulish podcast we might have those guys on i did i did the yeah. ghoulish cast yeah they were uh they're not real fans of this i don't think they were uh you know, kind of uh, on the side of, of the theaters and this being very bad for the theaters. But you know what? I would argue with them on that. I, I don't think it is bad for the theaters because, you know, he was saying that, like, he hosts, um, he hosted a, 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 a um, sorry, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, viewing on the big screen. Okay. Came to that. That's on video on demand right now. If people want that experience, I think they'll go do it. And it, I, think, I think the theaters just have to make the experience better. Uh, for us to want to do it. So. I, I don't know if the word jaded is right, because l- let's talk about the business that we're in. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to get off on a tangent no, no, here. No, but, no, and I'm but not either. Let's talk about what we work in. We work in radio, right? Right. You're on the digital end. I'm on the programming end. Right. And remember, remember 15 years ago, 17 years ago, whenever satellite radio came out, yeah, they were saying that is the death of radio. That is the death of terrestrial radio. Right. Are we still around? We are still. And we are still stronger than ever, especially with times like this. Right. You need something local. You're going to play your favorite music and we're never going away. And I feel the same exact way about theaters. You know, yeah, it's it's rough. You cannot be around a bunch of people right now just to be safe because it is. It's a scary time out there. But. I think it's going to make theaters even stronger, but it gives you that option. I mean, okay, satellite radio is out there. You can listen to these radio stations and get no commercials. You can listen to your Pandora or whatever, but it's not going to go away because it's been an institution. Like videos, uh, Blockbuster, they're gone. You know, VHS went to DVDs, DVDs went to Blu-ray. I mean, there's always going to be this new kind of evolution for entertainment, but the, the foundations... Are always going to be there. Well, and I think uh, the same thing was said when VHS came out that it was going to destroy the theaters too. And oh yeah, ex- exactly right. I, I think the theaters have to evolve. They have to change their. I would rather see a movie at home because of the experience that I get in most theaters, which is not good. I mean, the the prices are jacked. There's rude people like talking behind me and stuff. I I don't you know. They need to do something about their experience. And our theater here did. Like they have these uh, loungers and stuff now. You you uh, get a you get a uh, you, you know you can buy a seat in the theater at, at uh, in a particular place and really kind of seclude yourself from from people or whatever. Uh, so I think they've done a good job at starting to evolve that to where they'll be able to compete with the home theater. I still go to the theater, even though a lot of times I hate the ex- I, I don't really want to because it is a better experience than my home still. And, and, you know, they just have to evolve it so that it, it continues to be that. I agree. And, and I'm not saying that you're in a minority when it comes to disliking going to the theaters, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm partially that way. If there's something I really want to see, I'll go see it in the theater. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people really it's not nostalgia. It's just they have enjoyment. They they right. they budget out their money to be able to go watch these new movies and mm-hmm. get the enjoyment, get the full experience and being around people. Because majority of the time, sure, you have people that are talking and they're very rude. But right. majority of the people are there to enjoy the movie and have popcorn and have soda and just get that, you know, be around a bunch of people that are fans of this genre, that genre. Right. So I. You know, and to a certain extent, I kind of disagree with them. I, I kind of hear what they're saying or where they're going with that, yeah. but I don't necessarily agree. No, they probably won't come on the show. 
<laughs> no, we'll get him on the show. Hey, I want to give a real quick plug to uh, Nightmare on Film Street. That's another Fangoria podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, it's John and Kim out of Canada. Okay. And I've listened to two of their shows, and they're really good. I mean, they're just, they're a married couple. Yeah. And they just sit around their din- dinner room table, dining room table, nice. and talk about these movies. And I, I think cool. they're fantastic. I gave them a little plug on uh, on Instagram last night. I love Fangoria, man. I used to read that all the time when, in the 80s. Did you do the su- subscription? Because it's print only oh, yeah. now. I I haven't done the subscription yet, but uh, for uh, currently, but I used to have a subscription to it in the eighties and nineties, and I wouldn't, I would be lying if I said that Horrorphoria, the name, wasn't uh, kind of inspired by Fangoria. Hey, you get it from somewhere. I'm sure they're <laughs> right. flattered because we're not completely cop right. taking their copyright infringement. No, nope. right, Fangoria. <laughs> right. Uh, so, a trailer for uh, Bruce Willis's new home invasion movie, Survive the Night, came out this week. Movie features Willis as the father of a doctor whose family is taken hostage when criminals injured in a robbery need a doctor to patch up one of their gang. Looks like Willis's character decides to fight back. I like these kind of movies, man. I liked Death Wish, which was really more of an action movie, but uh, this looks like it has some uh, more more like horror elements too. I haven't so, seen it. Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, and it came out this week. That's really all the uh, horror movie news we have this week. Yeah, uh, everything's getting like postponed or right. rescheduled or right. whatever. Damn you, coronavirus. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, horror movie trivia. Co-directors Matt Bentinelli Alpin and Taylor Gillette are in pre-production to direct a sequel to a successful horror movie franchise. What's the movie? And you should know this because you did some trivia on it. Um, yeah. I just did trivia to All right. Or uh, some news. You did, you did horror movie I news did, on it. Yeah. Uh, it, it is uh, last week. You did. And now I can't think of it. It's... Uh, I, Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know. Scream yeah. Five. That's right. They're they're doing the Scream. Five. <laughs> they're in pre-production that. for that. Ah, that was last week. You're you're totally right. Yes. All right. This is straight up ripped off of IMDb, but I noticed it. Le Doma and La Belle are anagrams for these figures from the mid 17th century grimoire, The Lesser Key of Solomon. Um. So Le Doma and La Belle. You rearrange the letters in those, and they spell out the names of figures from um, a uh, magic book. Basically, a 17th I'm, century magic book called Les Shaquille Solomon. The Marquis de Sade. And so it's Belial and Asmodeus, or Asmo, Asmodel. They are demons. Oh. <laughs> Anywho, um, I wouldn't even, yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, yeah. Okay, Andy's Chainsaw synopsis. Okay, uh, Grace has wanted nothing more than a family all of her life. Her wedding, uh, her wedding day to game. Um, that should be game. Um, oh, what, what do they call it? Game. Um, game. The, the family it was a game. Uh, Dominion. Is that what they wanted? Oh, yeah. They <laughs> called it the Dominion. Not a <laughs> Her wedding. I, I, I apparently didn't finish the chainsaw plot very well here. Her wedding day to game Dominion. Uh, family member Alex Le Doma should have been the happiest day of her life. Instead, her new tradition-heavy family forces her to play a deadly initiation game before she's accepted as one of their own. That's exactly right. Perfect synopsis of the movie. Uh, I I went into this movie, and you know, I heard good things about it. I heard a lot of good things about it. Uh, Critics Mm -hmm. loved it. Audiences loved this movie. And this is one of those movies I really wish I would have watched watched it last year because I think it would have made top five for me easy. Really? You liked it that much, huh? I really I did. It was pretty good, yeah. Um, 
you know, it's it's that it's the cat and mouse kind of game, yeah. and it had a lot of good characters. I mean, the acting in this was fantastic. Oh, it was great. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe it's because I recently watched Veronica uh, <laughs> and Three from Hell, which you know, Free, Three from Hell was gr- purposefully grainy. It was it wasn't it was meant to be that way. Yes. It was meant to look like a cheap film, uh, but this looks really polished for a six million dollar movie. Yeah, didn't it make $57 million? I think it, I think it did. It, it's like the way it's lighted, and it, it's, it, it reminded me of The Frighteners, which is a $30 million movie. Like the, the lighting was, and the. And that's the, a Peter Jackson movie, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. From oh, the Michael 90s. J. Fox. Yeah. yeah okay. I know what you Okay. So it, it kind of, the lighting and the editing and the, uh, the you know, which is, it, it was kind of a horror comedy like this too. So, mm-hmm. um, and it just it looked really very polished compared to the I guess the horror that I've been watching lately. <laughs> but for six million bucks, I thought they did a really nice job. Uh, I thought the house the of the movie. Yeah, the house was beautiful. I mean, you, yeah. do you realize that was the house from Billy, Billy Madison? Madison. I, yeah. I, I saw that, that on IMDb and I went, "Wow, it was." Yeah, it was. It definitely was. Holy moly! Yeah, and it, it looked great. I mean, just by the way they decorated it, it made it darker. I yeah. mean, it, it was like it was really really cool. So. um Kicking off the movie uh, opening sequence, you see this uh, camera shot. I kind of like the opening sequence. I actually really like the uh, opening sequence because you see these board games. Yeah. And they had some interesting titles like LaBelle's Gambit. Yes. <laughs> Family Ritual. Mm-hmm. Secret Council. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, wow, okay, so what am I getting into? Because I kind of knew the the plot of it. Um, you see two kids running through this house. Um you meet Daniel. He puts his little brother in like an armoire to keep him safe from right. something. And then you see this groom or a guy in a tuxedo. It's like, they're trying to kill me. And uh, he gets shot in the gut with an arrow and yeah. then hauled well, off. He's already got some arrows sticking out of him. Oh, that's right. That's right. And <laughs> and he gets taken to this room and then cut to black 30 years right. later. Right. Uh, yeah. So the plot of this I guess, is, is basically identical to the hunt, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's very similar to the hunt. There's rich people hunting a uh, a poor person. Basically. Well, I, I don't think it necessarily, it, it, and it may, because I mean, no. knowing a little bit about the hunt, but I think um, it's almost like a you know weeding was... weeding out process of do you b- belong to this family? Are you accepting of what this family is? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it comes. Oh, I should say, spoiler spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about 2019's Ready or Not in its full entirety. If you have not seen the movie, you want to watch it, pause the podcast, pause the uh, live feed on our Facebook page, uh, go watch it and find out what, what we have to come say to it. You find out that these they are a cult. You don't know exactly with what. Mm-hmm. Um, but very odd. Very. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely an odd family. And I think that it's trying to say something about how different rich people are from the rest of us too. You know, it's, it's, it's trying to say something about that because they are, they're very odd. And obviously they kind of disregard other people. The, I thought the maids look in this was very interesting. The way that all the maids looked. Oh, and the black dresses, like the slinky. It was was like Robert Palmer's uh, simply irresistible. Yes. That's exactly right. Is that what they were trying to go for there? I, I think, I think modernizing it, you know, it, it's modernizing what the maid, I guess, uh, trope is of what yeah. a maid looks like. The You know, the black dress, the, the white apron or whatever. Right. That this was like, it was very sleek. And, the, and these women were beautiful. I mean, they weren't, mm-hmm. 
No, absolutely. But I, I think in that video, Robert Palmer's video, it was kind of, uh, they were all done to look kind of the same as kind of like, um, I don't, I think that was trying to say something about like how, um, fashion and, and all of that views women, like they're all the same. Well, no, you know? I, I thought like you could you'd I, be made up to look all, everybody looks the same. And, and, and I don't know, I think that's what they were trying to get at maybe with the, the way the, the look of their maids there is that these are just, these are our maids and this is, they aren't really people. They're I, just this, they're this thing. Well, I think they kept with the trope of uniformity. I think that's, that's, maybe. you know, and then you think of the trope of, you know, the old style maid, again, it's the black dress, it's the white apron, mm -hmm. you know, and this was like modernized, I guess. I, cause I didn't really think of it as maybe any kind of commentary on anything, but just the uniformity of, of the help around the house. Okay. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. I, I felt it was like trying to say something about the way rich people look at, at their help and other people. Like they aren't necessarily. To, they aren't individuals or human. They're kind of these uh, robots that that serve them. Yeah, well, I could I could see where you where you saw that. I guess I was just more because it was so quick for yeah. <laughs> for what happened in this movie. Um, we go thirty years later. We meet yeah. Grace. She's in her uh, wedding gown. Um, Samara, what's her last name? Uh, Weaving. Weaving, who is the niece of Hugo Weaving That's from right. The Matrix, right? That's right. Uh, she's actually talking in the mirror. She's saying the vows to herself. She's kind of having these this solo conversation, uh, her husband, which is weird because aren't you not supposed to see your soon-to-be wife or your fiancé? That's, that's what I thought, too, when, it, when he walked into the room, I, I guess. Well, it, it doesn't uh, – I mean, there is, they don't have very good luck after this, so maybe that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a harbinger of what's about to come. Because, Could have been. Um, Although I well yeah I don't I don't know I I don't know if that was supposed to say something but yeah it definitely was I was like uh, I don't think you're supposed to be doing that but so they one definitely thing, see each other beforehand. One thing I really liked about this was the dialogue. Mm -hmm. You know, as silly as this movie kind of was, yeah. the dialogue was great because they actually have a great conversation. You know, about uh, Grace really wants to be accepted by this family, and she realizes that she's marrying into this this family that is loaded. You yeah. know, it's almost like a Milton Bradley because they, they have board games or whatever. I think it's supposed to be uh, analogous to Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley. Exactly. Yeah, so it, it's kind of... I don't know how rich they were, but... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they just, they come from, I guess it's what what would be considered old money. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, just because, and, and it's like a bill, it seems like a billionaire. Oh, yeah, they're definitely billionaires. And they, it, it's old money. I mean, the, uh, who was it that actually made the uh, deal with, um, with, that was uh, granddad or grandfather. That was grandfather. Okay. So yeah, they, they've, this is a couple generations have been in this company. They've expanded it to where they now own, uh, professional sports franchises. Uh, oh yeah. Just gaming, you know, yeah. it's not no longer just board games or whatever, uh, which, it, that's that's those are um, you know professional sports teams are you're, you're billionaires if you if you want a professional sports team these talk days. to Jerry Jones you can't be uh, <laughs> you can't just be a millionaire anymore and own one of those so. um, but yeah they they uh, you know it, I thought it was a very interesting conversation that they had you know how she wanted to be she really wanted to be accepted by his family yeah he didn't care he he hates his family yeah he's apparently been 
kind and I don't know how well it really explored this or if this maybe uh, you know movie is 90 minutes long which is perfect for a movie in yes. my opinion I don't want to you know that that's a great length for a movie so but it, when you tell a story in 90 minutes sometimes you have to cut things out and I wonder like how much uh, got cut out as far as why he left the family, why he was unhappy with it. Well, here's here's what I picked up, and it it really kind of came to a head at the end is when he's talking about he has that conversation with his mom when he's uh, tied up to the bed, and he said that you know what we did was considered normal, and then yeah. I then I met Grace and she right. was good, and I thought to myself I could be good, mm-hmm. but if I go back to my family, I'm going to be right back of this is normal of what we're doing. That was a great conversation he had uh, with his mom. With his mom. Oh yeah. Who's played by um, uh, Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell, and uh, she looks great by the way. Oh yeah, she looks fantastic. Um, but that that was a fanta- That was just a great conversation that he had with her because yeah, he said. Uh, you know, you can think anybody, anything is normal if your if your family goes along with it and does it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so right. He was like sacrificing goats, and uh, you know they murdered people and stuff, and he he thought it was fine because his family did it, and so. that's normal. And then he meets Grace, and yeah. then you know, so we go we go back to the beginning scene where where they had that interaction just before the wedding. Yeah. And, you know, you can so tell she's uh she's a foster child. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So never really had a real family, but um, she's doing it for love. And she really, yeah, truly absolutely. loves uh, she does. Alex. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about that. I think in the beginning of the movie that is portrayed that she definitely loves him and, and it, her love for him is genuine and a reason for, you know, they, they hadn't been married. They'd, um, you know, been been living in sin, they said, or whatever. for yeah. 18 months. But um, when, you know, the, the time came or whatever, she, she wa- I think she also wanted to have to be part of a family, which is uh, kind of what prompted some of this. And, and he says so. Yeah. You know, he says, you'd have left me if I didn't marry you. And you get more of that at the end of the movie. I mean, and again, I, I, the dialogue to me is all good. I mean, it, it's, I, there's a few spots where it's just, okay, that was kind of silly. But there's a lot of important conversations that are had that, that if you miss it, you're going to kind of miss you know, to the next scene or, or, or a couple of scenes later, um, right. you know, just like that, you know, because right. he gives her the opportunity. He says, OK, this is it. You can leave right now. He does. Like like he's yeah. almost pushing her away and yes. say, you should probably leave right now. Yeah, so. exactly. It's, uh, so they, they do end up getting married. They do. And uh, then they, they uh, looks like they're, you know going to do what you usually do at consummate a marriage consummate your marriage right and uh the uh, very very sinister aunt happens to be standing in the room aunt helene (laughs) what a creepy lady whoever played her did a great job i mean that was that was a fantastic uh portrayal there so yeah i liked her i like that character a lot Mm -hmm. i did too i thought she was and and she had so she's the one the the one whose uh, husband got killed in the beginning. Right. And you find that out later because um, her and Alex have more in common <laughs> than you yeah. realize. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Alex knew this, um, but, you know, it's like you, I didn't really know who she was until like like middle end. Yeah, I, I kind of figured it out there when. See, I, I had I watched the beginning of this twice. OK, like I watched it. Uh, I watched about half an hour of it and then I, I thought. Sarah would enjoy it. My wife would enjoy it. So I, uh, I watched the, the entire thing with her. So we watched the beginning again. 
And uh, I'm like, oh, that's that's who that is. Because I, I could see her, like, her, the hairdo of the bride in the beginning is kind of the same as her. So. Yeah, so I, it, it I does. Go. And you, they show it later. I guess that's when I picked it up is, like, they, they just, you know, they info dump on you and say, okay, this is, you know, this is what I went through 30 years ago. Right. So. Right. Um, so, the. the <laughs> The family tradition, which it's it sounds like the family is quite uh, steeped in tradition. Yes, uh, is to play a game whenever someone new comes to the family. So, it's a, it's an initiation into the family. Exactly. And uh, she thinks um, Grace thinks this is a little bit weird, but uh, she's willing to do it because you know it's their tradition or whatever. And they're going around the room to the other in-laws, uh, the other people who have married into the family. Right. And they're like, I got chess. I got old maid. You know, what so the heck is old maid? It seems really benign. You know, yeah. they're going to play a silly game and it's just part of the initiation, whatever, you know? Right. And so she, uh, they, then they, yeah, they explain what, uh, how, how their family, uh, was, the guy was a merchant Marine or whatever. Yeah. This is where Tony, the dad goes in. Okay. This is how, this is how we made our money right. is that granddad met a guy named LaBelle's. And LaBelle's made him a deal that if he could figure out this special box, then he would finance any venture that he wanted to go on. So after whatever months at sea, uh, granddad figured out the box. So he financed everything that he wanted to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Which kind of leads into, okay. Yeah. So he became a game magnate, I guess. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Yeah, so um, Grace ends up pulling a card for hide-and-seek. Yes, it's great, though, because it was a blank card. So this is what we do. We put this blank card in here, and uh, Mr. LaBelle will pick the game that we are going to play. Right. And then our guest, the person that wants to be in this family, gets to pick that card. That's right. And it happens to be hide-and-seek. And she's <laughs> somewhat bemused by this at first. Yeah. Really going to play hide-and-seek. Yeah, she <laughs> thinks it's kind of funny. Uh, and... Uh, then, you know, the, I, I love this song that they play. I don't know if this is a real song or if it's made up for the movie, the hide-and-seek song they play on the Victrola. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a, creepy. It was a creepy song. <laughs> it was creepy. If it's a real song, it's awfully creepy. <laughs> you know? but, and, I, and I didn't have time to look that up, but uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a creepy song that was playing on this Victrola while she went to hide. And basically they told her, they, they explained the rules of, of hide-and-seek to her. She's got a hundred seconds or something yeah, you, to hide. You got to count to a hundred and then we're going to come seek you. Mm-hmm. So the, yes. The, and while she's hiding, they're arming themselves with uh, turn of the century weapons. Basically. Right. Exactly. So, and that, that was a, that was kind of a funny thing that happens later in the movie. They basically, they are very traditional and they're going to hunt her right. with these traditional weapons, you know, a revolver, an old style mm-hmm. revolver. Right. And uh, crossbow, things like that. So the, the gun that they use is the gun from Clue, which I thought was the, the game piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the game piece from Clue. So it, it, so there's, and I think there's a lot of homage to Clue, the 1985 Clue movie in this too. I got that. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen Clue since, I know it's one of uh, Rob's favorite movies, but I haven't seen Clue. Andy's. It, was it Andy? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen it since I went to it in the theater. I, I skateboarded to it. <laughs> that was when, the last time I saw Wait, it. Wait, hold on a second. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. Think about the colors. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the suits, the 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 colors of of the clothing that the people were wearing, because mm-hmm. Aunt Helene was wearing purple. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. And there was a music room. There was a. <laughs> oh my gosh! Exactly. Wow. She's like, she's like, oh, that's a normal room to have in a house. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot of homage to Clue here that I maybe just didn't pick up on because uh, I haven't seen the movie and. Many many years, but uh, I thought that was that was kind of cool too with the game, you know the the game theme of the movie. So. They just needed a rope or a lead pipe. <laughs> right, right. So Grace goes and hides in this dumb waiter. And, yeah, uh, she's sitting in there and she's like, "Oh yeah, my wedding night, and I'm going to spend it in a dumb waiter." <laughs> yeah, she's getting bored. I mean, she's 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 thinking that this is innocent enough. This is kind of dumb, mm-hmm. you know. I, yeah, all right, as soon as they find me, game's over. Right. She doesn't know anything sinister is going on. Not at this point, right? <laughs> so she she leaves the dumbwaiter and mm-hmm. then goes into a room. And I think uh, at that point she's uh, she's caught by um, Alex. Alex. And, well, see, uh, Alex had sat back in this in this family room or the the family only room. And he, he knows all the hidden passages through the house because, that, you know, for the for the wait staff or whatever, they could, you know, they can make their way through there because there's a lot of hidden tunnels and passageways. Right. So he ends up going back to the room that they're staying in. He, <laughs> this is a great jump scare, by the way. Yeah. He, he grabs her and like, hold, move. Yes. And it's like. <laughs> there's an orchestral hit and everything. Yeah. It's like, boom. Oh, wow. it, it got me. Made me It jump. was a good one, actually. Um. And this is where it starts. I mean, okay, so you're like, ooh, this is kind of getting weird because they're hunting her down with a harpoon and crossbow and whatever. Right. And, uh, <laughs> right. So the... Um, one of the... One of the help come in. Not, right. And uh, Emil, who is uh, kind of the daughter of the family, the I think she's the oldest daughter, right? Yes. Uh, she is the one who has this gun from Clue. She, okay, she's a she's the oldest daughter, but she's got a bad drug problem. She's got or a is... real bad drug problem. She's uh, she, <laughs> this is a great scene when she does the coke. She's like, okay, I'm not going to mess this up. Yeah, all over her nose, like all over like, her nose, and she makes this like no it's or something like there's a great noise that the, that the uh, actress made. Yeah, <laughs> she has the revolver, so she they're looking around for. For Grace, <laughs> there she is! Yep. Bam! Shot right, right in the head, right in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, maid goes down, and uh, and Grace sees this uh, because um, Alex is trying to tell warn her of what's going on. Yeah, he didn't necessarily say what's going on, yeah. but we need to get you out of here right now. Exactly, and he's hiding behind the bed with her, and the maid, um, you know, gets shot in the eye. <laughs> and uh, then she looks looks over the bed at at the maid, and she's gurgling out blood there's a lot of gurgling shot, in this shot in the eye yeah it's it's pretty good gore <laughs> yeah it's a pretty good good scene uh, as far as gore goes and uh then she knows something serious here yeah so <laughs> yeah so she's she just somebody got shot mm-hmm. and they these people are interacting which is why i thought the dialogue was really good because the rest of the family comes in there and they 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 put levity to this because it's like She's like, oh, I'm such a loser. Oh, I'm so terrible. And, and they're like, no, honey, it's okay. You know, just like, oh, you, you scraped your knee or you, you spilled some milk on the on the floor. You know, right. oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. But but on the other end, you know, obviously Alex knows what's going on. He doesn't think it's funny. And, and Grace is losing her freaking mind. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do a coin flip. Okay, yeah. heads, tails. Okay, tails, I'll get the legs. You get the head. Right. Um, so they go back through the passageway, and this is where Alex really explains what's going on. Mm-hmm. That, that listen, 
to be a part of this family, you got to play this game. But this is a no-win game because they need to kill you before dawn or my family's going to die. Right. This is the way it's going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, at this point, he is trying to help her. And he's, he is. Uh, you know, he goes, the, they've... You know, in the in the beginning when she starts this game, she says, aren't you guys going to have an advantage because there's cameras all over the house? Right. And they're like, oh, no, we play just like granddad. Uh, like, we play with his traditions. So they shut all the cameras off. And they legitimately do it. They shut them off. Yeah. And uh, then they decide they're, that they're, their only choice is to turn them back on. Because they like like people end up dying and right. they're they're freaking out. It's like oh you know what what is she doing to us? Hey, but yeah. if Granddad had uh, cameras, he'd be using them too. <laughs> That's right. So they renege but, on their rule. They decide that Granddad would have been okay with them using all of the uh, things at their disposal to to take care of this. Well, and that was a funny scene too because uh, um, Daniel's wife Charity. <laughs> That's a funny name. Yeah. Charity says, look, I got a gun in my purse. Let me use that. And then the dad goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're keeping with granddad's traditions. We are using these weapons, but we'll turn on the cameras. (laughs) Uh, Daniel actually finds Grace in what is the billiards room or something like that or the game room. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's grabbing a drink. The the guy's just like like he's having a hard time handling this because Daniel's the kid at the beginning of the movie that saved Alex, put him in that armoire. And he obviously has a lot of reservations about this family. So, I mean, he's like, he's, he's so torn. I kind of liked his character arc throughout the movie is that he's, you know, okay, he's with the family. He's against the family. You don't know which way he's going to turn on this, but he ends up finding grace and saying, okay, listen, I'm going to give you a five second head start. Go ahead. And then, oh, she's in the billiards room. Right. Right. Um, So then Alex does actually go and, destroy the security monitors open all the doors for because they've been the uh, doors and windows have been electronically locked by this security system oh yeah he he does do that and the uh she's um hiding in the kitchen at the time and she's found a gun with uh i don't know what if it's like african elephant hunting bullets or what what kind of a gun these shells were huge they were gigantic they they, they look like torpedoes yeah i use i've used a lot of guns and shot a lot these are these were huge shells i i don't know what it was like it almost looked like a shotgun shell but it it had like a i don't know if it was a shotgun slug or what like an old old school shotgun slug but the um the butler is in there yeah, and we missed we missed one kill though, oh yeah. because after uh, after uh, Grace gets away, and uh, Daniel's having his drink, uh, everybody comes in there. Oh, you let her get away, mm-hmm. and then another one of the help come in. Right, <laughs> and Emil's got the crossbow this time. Right. She comes in. Hey, I start going thump, right through the mouth. Yeah, so she kills another one of the maids with the crossbow. <laughs> She's like, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm terrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And her, well, her husband had started with a crossbow yeah but he's like oh i wasn't got- real clear on how to use it he was like looking at a youtube video on how to use it which was the the, the directors were the uh, two people trying to use the crossbow. i saw that it's pretty great i, I saw that <laughs> and, uh, so yeah so she's in the kitchen which it's a pretty good scene uh it's pretty tense it is as far as like she's gonna she's gonna shoot this butler basically because mm-hmm. she knows he's gonna help them try to find her Right. He's not a not a nice guy. Nope. Uh, so she pops up from behind the um, the island there in the kitchen, 
and it, her gun just clicks. The, the shells are dummies, and he says so. He's like, do you think I would have actually made a mistake like that? They're just for show. <laughs> They're just for show, right. Yeah. So, so he, she smashes him in the head with a boiling teapot. Yes, burns half his face with the teapot. So uh, she runs back through the house, goes to the dumbwaiter again, and there's another person that's the help. Right. Um, she's And, you know, she tries to get in there. Hey, we got to get out of here. The doors are open, and then she says, oh, she's over here, she's over mm -hmm. here, and then she closes it and starts going down. She gets crushed by the dumbwaiter. Right. Does the dumbwaiter work that way? I don't have any experience with these things. Are there <laughs> no. No, no safety mechanisms on them or something? If I Could become a billionaire, I'm going to get a dumbwaiter and see. You can let me know, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she does get outside then, and um, so she's in, in the woods, uh, and... Uh, she goes to a barn right, right. <laughs> full of goats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These, these evil, goat, right. evil goats, right? Mm -hmm. Should right. have been should have been a telltale sign of what they were representing, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. There's definitely there's a lot of symbolism like that in this too, because like when they're talking about LaBelle in the beginning, you there's a mounted goat head like behind the dad. Yeah, and then like at the opening sequence, it's LaBelle's gambit. Mm -hmm. And it's a picture of the devil. Right. <laughs> right. So. It's like, Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of symbolism uh, of that kind of, of like s Satan worship and that kind of stuff, and mm -hmm. you, you get get you get a lot of that throughout it, which is a, a nice touch. <laughs> All right. So one of Emil's kids, Georgie, he he was missing kind of partially through the movie, like mm -hmm. left his bed or something. He I guess he, and you find out that he was actually hunting uh, Grace as well. So yeah. Georgie goes out there. He's got a flashlight, and he's walking by, and and Grace is hiding by one of the goats. And um, Grace looks at him. Oh, hey, Georgie, how you doing? Oh, oh, wait right there. Pulls out a gun, shoots her straight yes. through the hand. Yes. And I don't think he meant to shoot her through the hand, but he ends up shooting her through the hand, and she punches him. It's a great punch, too. <laughs> knocks uh, him. Loved it. Knocks, knocks him out cold. Kid right out into some hay. <laughs> and then uh, one of the goats scares her. And yeah, she jumps up, up on her. Falling into, like, their pit where all of these dead bodies yeah. are that they've been hiding. <laughs> And that I, like that scene was great because it was like like you saw the different rotting of a corpse and she's getting it all over her body. And they, they hold that. They, there's some uh, uh, continuity to that throughout the movie, because as she's getting like bloody and bloodier and as she's and she, she see it in her hair and stuff like yeah, that. I think there's some symbolism here, too, with like her dress and the way she looks like the the more tattered it gets, the like less. um She's she becomes more jaded and more like uh, willing to to fight in the beginning. She's kind of like pure trying and, trying know, to survive. Very Correct. nice. Yeah. And, and the, the more bloody her dress gets, the the le the more cynical she gets. Oh, yeah. Uh, about. So I think there's some interesting symbolism there, too. But. Well, yeah, so she ends up getting out. But that man, that's seen with the nail. Yeah. So there's a nail on top of it. And she puts the hole in her hand from the bullet. Through the nail. <laughs> she just pulls herself. Oh, I was just feeling that yeah, the whole was, time. It, she sold that well. That was another great uh, piece of acting by uh, Samara Weaving. In that. And and then she goes to a gate. She ends up like, like it because it's a cast iron gate. Mm -hmm. So she ends up pulling a piece off so she can get through. But there was a piece that was cutting into her back. Right. So yes, she can get out to the, so she can get out right. to the forest. The, the part that made me laugh the most was this part. 
because there was a guy it looked like a porsche it's a maserati okay it was a maserati whatever it was it was a sports car (laughs) and she gets out and she's bloodied up and she's like help me help me i need i need to get out of here i need to call the cops and the guy goes get off the road yeah and she goes into this ex oh man she she just curses her lungs out at this guy and i think i think this is another kind of look at the way the rich treat people, it's trying to say, yeah. you know, cause it's like this person needs help. They're bloody on the road and this guy is just irritated by it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, So I, I think that's part of what it's the, the whole theme of the movie there. Uh, the, the kind of class. He had know, to get to his cocktail party. Must've been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so the uh, Butler does end up um, getting a hold of her and Fun gets her race. in his car and um, uh, like actually darts her with some tranquilizer, if I remember. Well, yeah, she steal. She ends up um, like like making him pass out because she's choking him. Right. And she gets the car and she calls OnStar, and then she, he's he's like, "Well, I got to stop the car. This car's been reported stolen." Right. You know, obviously right. the butler called in, and then I I don't this. I mean, to me, it was like, how did he get there so fast? Because she had driven at least a half mile, and he was there within two minutes. Yeah. Well. So, I don't know. Maybe he's got some sort of demonic powers too. Probably. So ends up tranking her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was kind of a funny scene because he's sitting there having a con- like a conference call while he's driving her. Oh, hey, we're almost to the east gate, and the whole family's sitting in front of the phone. Mm-hmm. And he turns on the he's jamming some classic tunes. Yeah, some classic some, music. Some some classical music, and then all of a sudden, um, <laughs> they see <laughs> they Tchaikovsky. see Grace. Yeah, they see. Is exact. that what it was? Yeah, it wore, uh, the Overture of eighteen twelve. Oh he, boy, he was. It's the. He's like obviously his favorite song because he was whistling in the kitchen. Oh, that's right. So, so you see yeah, Grace pop up, it is. It's kicking funny. him in the back of the heads, flipped, flips over. He dies. Yep. She gets out. Um, Daniel finds her. You know, I got to say that I want to say the, the car is rolling. And that was a great to scene, the music. too. Like you saw their hands just going like this. And I'm not sure how they how, if they actually rolled that car, like they had it spinning on like a rotisserie or something, because it, it was a great scene. You could see like Grace's hands going up around like this mm-hmm. and his were, too, as the car was supposedly rolling. So that was a great shot. Too. It was a great shot. Yeah, yeah it was a fantastic shot. So. Yeah, she gets out of the car. Daniel finds her again. He is—he's the most torn individual of this family because he doesn't know which way, or you don't know which way he's going to go either. Um, right. He ends up um, taking the butt of the gun and just knocking her out. Dad's out there for some reason and go, you know, obviously to to get her as well. But yeah. um, so they end up uh, bringing her inside and they're going to do this ritual with her. Mm-hmm. And um, they they drink something. Um, they drink like a. They're basically doing a. Uh, the black Sabbath or whatever, they're doing some sort of, uh, um, you know, mockery of communion. So they, they each take a drink out of this bowl and I think it's supposed to be blood in there or something like that. But Daniel has poisoned it with something. Yeah. Like it, he said, it's like some sort of a laxative or something right, like that. Exactly. So makes them all puke and you're thinking, Oh wait, he poisoned them. Yeah, exactly. So he says they'll live or whatever, but, uh, so they, so grace is getting away from, from him and uh, but they do get him get her back, and uh, at that point it's uh, like too late. The sun is beginning to rise. Yeah. So you basically find out because when they finally tie her back down. Oh, by the way, the the kill of the mom was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. She hits her she, with the puzzle box. Yeah, that puzzle box and just smash it. And you see the blood right. and the hair yes. all over it. Yeah. That was that was yeah, pretty cool. That was, that was great. Uh, Alex ends up turning on Grace. Mm-hmm. Because you know he he's, well, he does the same thing that he did to uh, his aunt's husband. You know, he's like, uh, 
he's like, she's over here or whatever. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, he, he's no longer sympathetic at that point. Yeah. So he ends up turning on her. So he's going to do the ritual with the knife, obviously, because it's a satanic ritual and they need right. some sort of knife. Right. Um, but like, uh, Grace grabs the dad's hand and ends up turning as he's getting ready to plunge the knife into her ch- heart, ends up stabbing her in the shoulder. The aunt f- opens the curtains and it's bright and you think, oh, they're right. all going to melt. <laughs> right. Nothing happens. Nothing, Nothing happens. happens. So yeah. they have this like, and I love this like delayed conclusion on this. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so they're sitting there having this conversation. What do we do? What's going on? Hey, I knew, I knew it wasn't real. I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so the aunt grabs the ax and going, I'm still going to do it. And going at grace and boom, explodes right into a bloody mess. I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. And people are just like, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> like, like I, I kind of like the, the way they were sensitive to the kids. Yeah, I know. Because the kids, the kids the, ran out of the room, but you knew they blew up. But <laughs> no, you knew they did. I mean, they basically didn't show that. They didn't show it. But the, Emil you took could, her two were, kids, and it was poof, 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 and it, all over the door. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, they all exploded. And they deserved it, too. That kid was, a, you know, shot her in the hand. He deserved yeah. it. I almost <laughs> thought uh, that Alex was going to be spared if. Uh, Grace accepted him back. Yeah, sure. Um, because as soon as she took off the ring, that's when Alex exploded. That's right. And I so. think that might have been the case. Yeah, that may have been the case. But he'd already, he'd already sealed his fate by. Well, he did. You know, he did. Yeah. And she was. She was. I mean, he turned on her like mm-hmm. no other. But um, and the mansion has started on fire at this point too. Yeah, she actually sees LaSalle or LaBelle. LaBelle, she does. Yeah, she, she sees, sees the image of him. Like a flame comes out, and she sees right. the image of him, and she's like. What the heck was that? <laughs> yeah. And then house is on fire. She goes outside. The cops finally show up. You know, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. In-laws. <laughs> Cut movie. movie. Yep. 45 minutes. <laughs> there you go. So, Andy, what are you feeling on Ready or you know, Not? I really, I really liked Ready or Not. I thought it was a great movie. Very, uh, very well produced. I thought the acting was great. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it's, I mean, it's a horror comedy. It's, it's, I don't think it's a going to be a classic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that was um, astounding about this. Not my new favorite. It's not midsummer quality or anything like that. Right. Uh, I give it three and a half mm-hmm. uh, because I thought it was well acted, well produced. It was a, it was funny as a horror comedy uh, and it had some good horror mo- moments in it. So. I'm with you. I, I, I'm feeling it a little more than you are. Um, <clears throat> I, I thought that this movie had so much character building and the mm-hmm. balance of that was like wonderful. Right. It was shot so well. Like you said at the beginning, I mean, this movie was so polished with such a low budget, but the acting was fantastic. And, was. and and all the humor landed for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you, you know, and, and but there were these there was these conversations, you know, the, the beginning conversation with Alex and Grace. It was great uh, between Alex and his mom. That was fantastic. And it told you a lot. Right. It didn't throw a lot at you. And you could sit there and absorb it. And, you know, a lot of it landed for me in in really, really good ways. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to go a little higher. I'm going to go a four on this one. Okay. But. Yeah, well done from these guys. I mean, highly, highly recommend this movie. Next week, uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. We are going to be chatting about our very first brand new movie from 2020, The Invisible Man. Yes, great movie. I've already seen it. I encourage everybody to 
to go get, and watch it on uh, on demand because it's it's a great worth uh, the twenty dollar purchase. Definitely worth it. I mean, watch it with somebody else. It's like going to the going to the theater. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to rate and review us on wherever you're listening to your podcast. And if you want to enjoy some casual reading, Andy, tell us all about it. Yeah, I guess you can you can read my uh, horror Yeti-themed horror novel, uh, Siberian Incident, and Siberian Incident 2, the sequel, comes out tomorrow. And I'm on Amazon.com right now, and I'm getting ready to order it. All right. Thank you.